Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for joining us today at Relove Church for a special celebration of life. We know the cross was involved. We know that there was a death involved in this salvation thing. We know that Jesus died, but we today celebrate life. And I, I feel the spirit of the atmosphere, even in our worship and in our praise today. And I'm excited for the opportunity that we have really just to look into the Word and see how this Easter story can apply to us in a practical sense. Because I'll be honest with you, the Easter story is a cool story, just as a story. But the Easter story, when applied to your life, no longer is a story, it becomes life. And so I'm excited for us to jump into the Word today. We know that Easter is all about the resurrection. Easter is all about life. And the very foundation of, 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 of Christianity is, focuses so much on this one thing, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from a grave. And so today, what I want to do is I want to explore the thing that happened before the grave. And you guys have the opportunity today to, to, to hear two messages. So what we're doing today is we are exploring the New Testament concept of the tree. And I'm going to be bringing the first portion of the message. It will not be long. And Pastor McBride, our lead pastor, is going to be bringing the second portion of the message. And it will not be long. And we will continue our celebration with a meal out in the courtyard. But for now, what I want to do to set this up so that we can really get our minds understanding the word here today is I just want to preface to you that in the New Testament, the Greek words that are used for cross, for wood, and for tree are interchangeable. Those words are interchangeable. So oftentimes we will see things like Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, which is our launch scripture today. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Bow your heads with me as we, for a few moments, hear a message from a word called, get off the trees. Get off the trees. Father, we're grateful for what today represents, Father. Thank you for what you've done in the lives of the individuals under the sound of my voice, because we know that you've orchestrated such a time as this and such a place as this to hear the word that you've customized specifically for their needs today. God, we're grateful for your presence today. Our hearts are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Judas Iscariot, a figure we often overlook during the Easter story. Judas Iscariot, he was one of the 12 apostles. He is known to us as the treasurer of the 12 apostles. The scriptures in Peter said that he had carried the money box. So he was the one that was responsible for the finances of Jesus' ministry. 
Uh, he, he, he's the one who disclosed Jesus' location to the Pharisees and to the high leaders of the time and, and, and essentially was the one that sold Christ out. He was the one who for 30 pieces of silver said, hey, Jesus will be here at this place at this time and allowed them to come seize him. Them being the centurion soldiers, the Romans, who were pursuing Christ to kill him. Judas Iscariot is a critical part of the Easter story, and we often overlook his contribution to this history, this contribution to the thing that we celebrate. And I use the word contribution lightly but intentionally because I do believe that there's contribution to our lives personally. There's application from his story personally for how we ourselves handle something that as Christians, both believers or non-believers, you struggle with. And that may be shame, guilt. And that's what we're going to be exploring today. Let's look quickly at the account of what happened in Matthew 27, verse 5. Matthew 27, verse 5 says, when, Ju when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Verse 4 says, I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. Verse 5 says, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Have you ever made a mistake that you couldn't forgive yourself for? I can only imagine the remorse that Judas was feeling at that time and in that place. Have you ever made a mistake Perhaps you, you, you found yourself in a desperate situation and you made what you thought was the right decision, but it ended up being something that hurt those around you. Perhaps in efforts to make ends meet, you neglected somebody who needed you. Perhaps it was much simpler than that. Perhaps it was just a matter of one drink too many that led you to a mistake that changed the trajectory of your life or that changed the trajectory of the life of another person. Maybe at a difficult time in your marriage, instead of stepping in, you stepped out. Maybe for you it's not an event and more a habit, a behavior, something that you find yourself unable to shake that continually brings you to this place of guilt. What do you do when what happened haunts you. I'm speaking to someone. What, what do you do when your guilt grips you? When your shame shakes you? What do you do when you made a mistake and you can't forgive yourself? Yeah, maybe God forgave me, but me, I don't forgive myself. I'll be honest with you, having had the opportunity to pastor for over 10 years, I could tell you with boldness and also with sorrow in my heart how many people I've encountered who allow this guilt and this shame to keep them from the threshold of this building. And if not you, you know someone who because of their guilt, who because of their lifestyle, who because of their experiences, their hurt, their shame, their mistakes, their inability to forgive themselves, refuse to enter the threshold of this place. I'm not talking about people who don't know God. 
I'm talking about people who know God and believe they're forgiven by him, but who cannot forgive themselves. I'm talking about guilt. I'm talking about shame. Refusing to forgive yourself is a daily death on a tree that you were not designed to die on. Today we're talking about the trees. Now I do want to preface that not all guilt is created equal. I, 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 I want to acknowledge that there are some situations that you may feel shame for that you were a victim of. So this is something that you may feel, and I don't want to disqualify your feeling about the shame. I don't want you to not feel it. I mean, I want you to not feel it, but I won't tell you not to feel it. I'll tell you to feel it fully, but the guilt and shame that you may be experiencing as a victim of something that you did not bring upon yourself is a different category. It's a, it's a different situation, but it's crippling nonetheless. It may be that your parents were divorced and as a child you identified that you were the cause of it. Or you may have thought somehow that you were the reason that there was a separation in the family. That carries with you throughout your adulthood. That stays with you over time. Perhaps it was, it was, it was that you were a victim of somebody's abuse in your life. I, I want to qualify that not all guilt and shame comes from the same source. It doesn't have to just be your mistake or your choices or your lifestyle. This instance is going to be a little bit different, but the impact is the same. And I personally feel that's detrimental as a spiritual leader, that you can be impacted in the same negative way by something that you did or by something that you were the victim of, by something that was done to you. What we have to do, though, aside from the source, is really get down to the nitty-gritty of how to handle these emotions, how to handle this guilt, how to manage this shame. What do we do with it? If it stops us from coming to the cross, it stops us from fellowship with other Christians, it stops us from, from, from believing that we are who God says we are, we got to do something about that, family. And we have to begin by distinguishing the difference between guilt and shame. And so I'm going to go to scripture for that. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is very simple. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Someone say godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. And leaves no regret. So this godly sorrow manifests repentance. It leads to redirection, this godly sorrow. Pull the scripture back up. Then the second part says that, but worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now, we have to really understand what the scripture is telling us here. We have to understand this godly sorrow is guilt. Godly sorrow is guilt. This is a conviction, we may call it, a deep sense in your spirit of the need to change. Now, your godly sorrow is behavior-centered. Shame is identity-centered. Godly sorrow can be helpful. It can redirect your path. Guilt can guide you to God. This is your godly sorrow. 
But your, your guilt is a conviction. It's repentance, and it leads to change in your life. But shame, shame is the worldly sorrow that this scripture is talking about. This worldly shower, sorrow, it's identity-centered. It says it's, it's, it's never helpful. It keeps you stuck. Shame condemns the self. It's self-deprecating. It's based on lies about your identity and ultimately self-limiting. Guilt is not shame, and shame is not guilt. Now, research backs this scriptural concept up as well. When we look at the research of Brene Brown, author and social worker, renowned author currently, she says that there are certain characteristics that have relationship to both guilt and shame. And we're going to put those on the screen. Certain characteristics of both relationship that have relationship to both guilt and shame. Right here. Addiction. Research shows depression. Research shows eating disorders. Violence, bullying, and aggression. These are behaviors that have relationship to guilt, per the research, and that have relationship to shame. What's interesting, though, is that the research says that guilt, those who experience guilt, which says, I have done something wrong, they are less likely to experience these things. But people who experience shame, which says, I am something wrong, are more highly likely to experience these conditions. This is powerful, family. This is, it's not just what the scripture says, but science is, 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 is reinforcing this as well. Because guilt says, I did something wrong. But shame says, I am something wrong. And family, let me tell you, you are not something wrong. This tree that Judas ended his life on was never intended for you. But we wake up every day and beat ourselves up over the things that bring us shame. Likewise, the tree that Jesus died on was never intended for you. Jesus died on it. So you need to get off it. Now, some of us find ourselves tied to the tree that Judas died on because we feel we are not worthy of this love. Others of us find ourselves tied to the tree that Christ died on because we feel we can earn our worth for his love. And I'm here today, family, to tell you to get off the trees. Both of these trees you can be free from guilt. You had the experience. Guilt can guide you toward, toward God. Guilt can help you redirect. It can help you correct. It can help you repent from something that you've done. Let the, God, let the guilt be a tool for you. It's an instrument that you can use and you can move on from it. Shame. We need to shed the scales of this shame because the shame is what keeps you stuck. The shame tells you lies about your identity. The shame tells you what you are not. And it tells you that you are things that you are not. You are who Christ says you are. And that's why we have an empty tomb today because Christ is who he said he was. 
And if Christ is who he said he was and the empty tomb says that's true, then you have to be who God says you are. Family, y'all don't want to hear me today. Y'all don't want to rejoice about this word. Y'all don't want to rejoice because the truth is chains can break with this understanding. Chains can break that you have the power through the cross to be resurrected from your own death of shame. And, and, and I'm here today to tell you that this is available to you today and now. And I know this because Psalms 103 makes a promise to us. Psalms 103 tells us exactly what Christ did with this thing that separated us. It says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, as far as one hand can stretch out to the right and the other hand can stretch out to the left, that's how far your sin is from you. Family, get off the tree that Judas died on. Get off the tree that Christ died on. You don't belong in either family. You belong at the foot of the cross. Because at the foot of the cross, there is mercy. At the foot of the cross, there is grace. At the foot of the cross, there is comfort. There is hope. There is peace. There is joy. There is healing. There is relationships being brought back together. There is sons coming back home and daughters getting off drugs. There is deliverance at the foot of the cross. You were never intended to die the deaths of either tree. They were done. Let them be done and find your place at the foot of the cross. Jesus and Judas. Two men diametrically opposed, both experienced death by a tree. The dichotomy that we are exploring today, family, is paradigm shifting for you and your life moving forward. Jesus died on a tree, Judas died on a tree, and you don't belong on either one. Because this empty tomb is not empty, so you can stay on it. Easter did not happen so you can stay on those trees. And this may be the first time you're hearing this, the first time you've considered the difference between guilt and shame, family. And I'm here to tell you today, take this truth with you. And if this is your first time, in the words of Maya Angelou, will you forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know before you learned it? Father, we thank you as we claim the gift of life that the empty tomb represents, Father. Give us the strength to remove ourselves from the trees that you never intended us to die on. In your holy name, amen.